Welcome to another episode of Mainstays. I'm Jensen Dean Jackson, and today's episode, we're going to count down my personal top 10 DC live-action movies. This list is probably a bit more controversial than my Marvel top 10 movies, and that's because generally most of the public just doesn't like DC movies. And somehow they've forgotten that DC's been making movies longer than Marvel has, you know, because Marvel kind of came along and taught everybody how to Dougie in terms of making a successfully connected universe. Anyways, we're not here to discuss Marvel. They had their time in the limelight. On the last episode, this is DC's time. And starting out with number 10 is going to be Batman Forever. Now, this is my personal list. These movies are on my list for a reason. You don't have to like them. You know, that's that's the thing about opinions. We all have our own. But number 10 is Batman Forever. And this is, you know, if you're being realistic, this was the beginning of almost the end for Batman on screen. It, This movie went in the opposite direction of the two previous Tim Burton movies. It went more shiny, more bright, you know, pretty much everything that Batman isn't about. You know, when you have Batman fighting a bunch of dudes in Dayglow and, um, you know, (laughs) just there's a lot of shit about this movie that's so fucking wrong. But at the same time, if you're a comic book reader like I am, you know that there are hundreds of interpretations of a comic character and that's one way for me to make this movie all right with me is just to think of it as another volume of a comic book where a creator took over uh or i'm sorry not a creator an artist took over for the previous artist and took it in their own direction now batman forever does have some things that i really dig that fucking batmobile is the fucking truth like that shit is fucking dope. Uh, I do believe that this movie predates the bat nipples. I think you know. I think don't don't quote me on that. I'm I'm saying I think that it predates the bat nipples. I do like that in the beginning of the movie. Batman saving the hostages from that ridiculous scheme that Two Face had of fucking lifting a goddamn bank vault into the air via helicopter. And just to trap Batman in a bath of acid, the most dumb ass thing I think any supervillain's ever done on film. But I, I I love that moment so much because they bring back the Batman '89 Tim Burton version of the bat suit. Another thing that makes these movies so fucking hilarious that it took them all the way until the Dark Knight before Batman could fucking successfully just do something so simple and human as turn his head, you know? That's like one of my favorite scenes. I think it's like a meme or some shit where Batman's in the bat plane and this motherfucker has to turn all the way to the left, turn his whole body just to give Commissioner Gordon a thumbs up, which by the way, how the fuck would Commissioner Gordon have seen that thumbs up from all the way the fuck up there? All, all Commissioner Gordon was seen was a plane flying by. The Batman, yeah, really fucking thumbs up. Uh, I'm getting a little too technical. And, you know, one of the biggest flaws about this movie is the fact that Robin's like a 30-year-old man. It's kind of bizarre. Now, when I was a kid, this movie came out as a kid. It was, you know, that was Batman for me for a long time. So, I was cool with it. Now, here I am, a 30-year-old man, saying these words to you guys, thinking back in my head, Nah, man, that motherfucker was a 30-year-old. Like, that's not uh, that's not right. And, yeah, so number 10 is Batman Forever. My number 9 pick, again, might be a little controversial. You know, it made a lot of money, but it did not please the critics at all. It's going to be Suicide Squad. <clears throat> I love this movie for the simple fact that it is a shared universe movie. You know... DC, Warner Brothers, they've taken a lot of missteps in trying to make their own shared universe. But one thing that I feel that they got across was 
that these characters do all live in the same universe. Like, my favorite thing, like, obviously, I'm a huge Batman fan. So, my favorite thing is anytime Batman would show up and uh, would show up in the movie. It fit in perfectly. You know, that's the thing that a lot of people, well, it's kind of frustrating for me, is that these characters are in the mainstream. These characters have been around for decades. The characters have been around longer than you and I have been been uh, been around, you know. And so, in terms of that universe, when you're talking about Arkham Asylum inmates or uh, people in the task force task task force X program, most of them are in there due to run-ins or skirmishes with Batman. So it's really really dope to see that the reason Deadshot was imprisoned was because of Batman. The reason Harley Quinn was in prison was because the Joker was a punk and ran away from her, and because of Batman. Like, oh, almost all those villains probably personally owe Batman, like, a hate beating for locking them up, you know, leading to their incarceration. I also like this movie a lot because it embraces the fantastical side of the DC universe, which is something up until that movie, you had never really seen that, that kind of, you know, thing. It's always been DC movies are grounded in, in more so reality than the fantastical. And, you know, uh, Suicide Squad was grounded more in the mystical and the fantastical, you know? We can we cannot even bother talking about the sub fucking par villain, the fact that for some reason Hollywood still has a fetish for making women dress in the skimpiest fucking outfits. I can't understand. If I was a female and I was a bad guy or a good guy, I wouldn't be dressing in a motherfucking bikini and and trying to fight super villains. Like the fuck, you're wearing like literally pieces of cloth on your body. And, you know, the Enchantress, it, j- it just, it was weird because all she really did once, you know, she really went bad was fucking gyrate like some kind of hula girl having a, uh, an epilepsy fit. And, you know, like I just, I think as people, and let's, let's not try to get too political on the podcast, I'll just say this real quick, that I think that there is a way, let me look at what they did, again, not trying to toot the horn Marvel, but what they did with Scarlet Witch in the comic books all she's really wearing is like a uh, some kind of lingerie. Her tits are almost spilling out of her costume. I mean, it's not practical. And they translate that to the movies, and it's very tastefully done. It, it maintains the spirit of the character and and throws away all the sexism of the comic books. And that's great for some some odd ass reason. They you know didn't feel like they needed to do that with the Enchantress. They felt like they needed to do the opposite, but this is a top 10 list of top 10 DC movies with the flaws in them. This is my personal top 10 favorite DC movies of all time. And number nine was Suicide Squad. And do like what did with the Marvel countdown. And I'd have to say that my favorite move, my favorite scene or scenes in the movie are the two times, or I'm sorry, the three times that Batman showed up. Just because I'm such a huge fan of Batman. And yeah, you really couldn't do a movie like that in that part of the DC world and not have Batman be a part of it at all. It just wouldn't have worked. wouldn't have worked. Uh, My number eight is Batman 1989. This movie, fun little fact, came out one year after I was born, so there would have been no way in hell that I could see it, seeing as I was a new baby boy but i do love batman 89 although they did take massive liberties with batman's origin story to insert the joker and as the man who was responsible for everything which is that's not how it went down in the comic books it was pretty much just an average lower tier uh crime syndicate kind of dude and his name was Jack Napier. No, his name was Joe Chill, not Jack Napier. But other than that, you know, barring that aside, Batman 1989, you know, <clears throat> forgetting a few other movies, that was really the start of, of everything we have today. And if you guys are looking to thank someone for 
being blessed to see two to three comic book movies a year, whether it be DC or Marvel or some other company, you have Tim motherfucking Burton to thank for that. Like, all the way 100%. That is my favorite thing about that movie, is that without Batman 1989, we wouldn't get things like Avengers Infinity War. We wouldn't get things like Wonder Woman. We wouldn't get things like Spider-Man Homecoming. Hell, we wouldn't even get things like 300. I, you can quote me on that without Batman 1989. There wouldn't be the comic book movie boom that there is today. Now, my favorite scene in Batman 1989 is the one where Joker is in the art museum defacing all of the art to the soundtrack of Prince, who, you know, maybe a little known fact, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Prince did the entire motion picture soundtrack for Batman 1989. I think that was in his deal or something like that. But that's one of my favorite scenes. He's defacing the um, the museum, and then Batman comes in and he starts beating up all the thugs. And one of Joker's most famous lines, if I'm getting this correct, is where does he get those wonderful toys? To me, that's that's everything that sums up that movie. And I was, I don't know, probably eight or nine, maybe seven or eight, the first time I saw it. And if I hadn't already been solidified inside of my head that I was a ginormous Batman fan, after watching that movie on television, it was cemented for me. Okay. <clears throat> Number seven is Watchmen. And I, when I was writing down my list, I didn't put which cut, but I'm going to go with the ultimate cut, the cut that includes the director's cut, as well as cutting in Tales of the Black Freighter. If you've ever read the graphic novel, you know that that movie, I mean, besides the ending, just because I like when things stick to source material, it makes for a better time of enjoyment for me as a fan. <clears throat> but that movie pretty much is the same as the goddamn graphic novel. Like some of the panels were pulled, some of the scenes are pulled straight from the panel of the comic book. And you don't get a lot of comic books that are that faithful to the source material. It's almost, it's almost crazy that Alan Moore, he does not like that movie. He does not like any of the movies. You know, in fact, Alan Moore does not get a cut of anything from any of the movies that are translated from book to screen that are his original works. He fucking hates Hollywood so much. He, you know, I think he pretty much said in, in an interview one time, they can go ahead and rape my source material. I'm not going to be around to reap the, fruit, reap the fruits of their abortious labor. One Watchmen, the ultimate director's cut, or whatever, the ultimate cut, is a fucking masterwork. I love the cinematography. I love, I love the music, the soundtrack. I love the look of the characters. You know, for me, my it's it's hard for me to choose who would be a favorite character between Jeffrey Dean Morgan's the comedian. And fuck, what is his name? And Jackie Earl Haley's Rorschach. It's re it's really tough for me to pick, you know, because they're both really really flawed characters. Really, really, I wouldn't say great, but they've got I see their points of view. And I'd say that uh, my favorite scene in the movie, easily easily as fuck, is the opening credits. Set to, um, I don't know, getting this musical artist wrong. Uh, the thing it's set to a Bob Dylan song, but I could very well be wrong. But it's, it's one of the most beautiful opening credit scenes I've ever had the pleasure to watch. Everything flows together, and it's just, it's a great scene, you know? And if you go back there and you watch it, there's actually Easter eggs in there. One of the Easter eggs is Thomas and Martha Wayne coming out of the Mask of Zorro and in this universe a superhero saving them punching out the bad guy saving them thus pretty much making it so that Batman would have never been born you know wild shit like that's so go back and check it out I suggest you go back and you watch the whole goddamn movie because it's it's a fucking masterwork that people who hate on Zack Snyder 
obviously I never seen the movies he did before Batman v Superman or half of Justice League. Uh, my number six movie, and I know because it's uh, I should have put this a little bit lower, but uh, my number six movie is The Dark Knight Rises. And the reason this movie's on the list, I talked to a lot of people, and I think it's just a lot of people are swept up even now. Like, that's how you know that it was a good-ass performance. People are still talking about Heath Ledger. And whenever I bring up The Dark Knight Rises to anybody, it's automatically seen as an inferior movie just based on the fact that there was no Heath Ledger in it, which I think is unfair. I think that everybody who played a part in The Dark Knight Rises played their part to perfection, especially my 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 top biller. For me personally, Tom Hardy is Bane. You know? That's why this movie is my favorite, because they were already at deficit losing Heath Ledger. Um, Christopher Nolan actually wanted to continue uh, the story of the Joker. And due to Heath Ledger's, Heath Ledger's untimely passing... He was forced to go in a different direction. And to me, it worked out so great because the last time we saw Bane on screen, Joel Schumacher was shitting in our mouths as comic book fans by producing some stupid idiot who was roided, well, a roided up freak who could only say things like Bane and monkey business. It was, he was fucking stupid. If you ever read the comic books, you would know that Bane, the character, is a smart motherfucker. That's why he's such a good match for Batman. Because not only is he physically almost superior to Batman, but intellectually he's on the same level as Batman. So to see Christopher Nolan fully realize a 3D breathing Bane, who can not only whoop the shit out of Batman, but outthink the shit out of Batman... Perfecto in my eyes. <clears throat> it's it's hard to pick uh, my favorite scene in the movie because there are a lot of good ones. But I think my favorite scene in the movie, and this is again, if you guys are just you know mainstreaming it and you just watch these movies, you know there's no there's no hate tossed at you. But I do I do gotta throw it out to people like me who've been reading this shit for so long and they know. When they see something, that holy fuck, they pop for it because it's something pulled out of the comics. My favorite scene, can I, I guess, kind of be a twofold, but it actually leads into the same scene, kind of not. So my first, my first favorite scene is Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, aka Batman and Catwoman, teaming up. You know, even though she was setting a trap for him, that thing like Selena running into a bad guy in the tunnel and saying he's right behind you, and the bad guy saying who? And the Batman popping out of the fucking dark, me, and snatching him the fuck up. That shit is straight up comic book shit right there. Like, that is, that is pulled straight out of the fucking car. You know how many times Batman and Catwoman have pulled shit like that? Like that, right now, just talking about it gives me chills because as a, as a comic book fan, to me, that is acknowledging that all of my years of reading, watching, consuming, ingesting living and breathing these characters that is validated for me for mainstream audiences that's just you know oh that was a pretty cool scene for me that meant everything to me because that's an acknowledgement of decades of fandom that have paid off and getting to see something translated from the panel to screen and my second favorite scene is a scene that that follows right after that where bane proceeds to whip the shit out of Batman. Like, he makes Batman his bitch. He owns Batman. And Batman, you know, a little, little known facts about Batman, he is the fourth or fifth smartest person in the DC universe. He knows every martial art skill known to man, and there's a reason why sometimes he's referred to more so in the comic books as detective, because in the beginning... Batman, it was called Detective Comics, and what did he do? He solved fucking crimes. He's a smart motherfucker. He's smarter than Sherlock Holmes. Like, he solved fucking crimes. 
you know? Okay, so moving on, because I don't want to get off track and just start talking about Batman. So moving on, my number, we're now wearing the top five people, so this is when we really start cooking with gas, and this is when it's really start starting to get a bit controversial. But my number five movie is Man of Steel. And I know what you're thinking, probably if anybody's listening, you've got some Chris Reeve fans, you're thinking, what the fuck, Jensen? Uh, how are you going to leave out Chris Reeves? <clears throat> My reasoning for that is that even though I enjoyed, I'd say I enjoyed Superman 1 and 2, I'll, I wish I could wipe the memory of Superman 3 and 4, the quest for peace, from my fucking mind. Because, yeah, you know, no, no thanks at all to those movies. Man of Steel is the realization of something that fans have been clamoring for years. For years and years and years and years. And, you know, they're clamoring for it when we got Brian Singer's Superman Returns. And while I respect that movie based on the fact that it was an ode to the Richard Donner movies and, and, and an ode to throwback era, those ideals don't work, you know? It's, this, is, this is a different, these are different times. Those, those good old-fashioned, you know, all-American, wholesome uh, ideals don't work in a world so twisted and dark and cynical and ugly as today. And I feel like Man of Steel is a perfect reflection of the times we live in. And one of the things that fans, myself included, have been clamoring for was to see Superman kind of, you know, get unleashed a little bit. Show a little bit of that Kryptonian courage if you will a little bit of the hardness that toughness you know i don't really like superman as a character because i think he's too overpowered i think he's fucking boring i think the most uh interesting things about superman will always and forever be his supporting cast i think him as a character he's it's just too much the only way you beat dude is with the green space rock like that you know that's the, to me it's boring like he's he's too powerful but I do enjoy the Man of Steel, not only because of that beautiful opening on the home planet of Krypton, even though we've watched it, and I kind of feel the same way about Superman's origin that I do about Spider-Man and Batman's. Like, how many fucking times do you want to break our hearts and make us watch these poor people's loved ones get murdered? Like, move the fuck on. What's your fetish with watching parents fucking get killed? That's that you know, just like that's enough. But I like this movie and I like that opening and I like the fact that Jorel, played by Russell Crowe, is a fucking badass. Like that if you can't be sold on watching Man of Steel based solely on that scene, like that that those those scenes the you know, the first fifteen minutes in the movie, you know, I, I just don't know what's wrong with you then. I if that can't convince you, just say, Hey, you know what, I'm gonna give this motherfucker a try. Just stick to watching the Richard Donner movies. Then stay in a bygone era with with things and beliefs that no one really believes anymore. Unfortunately, as sad as it is, no one believes those those, those things anymore. <clears throat> I'd say my favorite scene in The Man of Steel has to be when uh, he's... I forget what the name of the engine, the world engine, when he's trying to break the world engine. And... Just brief side note. Well, I'll, I'll say that first. He's, he's breaking the world engine, and he—it's you know kind of implied that he doesn't have the belief in himself to complete the task, and then he starts believing. And right before he takes off, you can kind of sort of see Christopher Reeve's face digitally implanted in Henry Cavill's face. The other side of that is that. This movie has one of the best soundtracks. Like, I still listen to the, the movie soundtrack. <coughs> excuse me. Is in my favorites in my Google Play app. Like, that move, that soundtrack makes you feel things. And don't get me wrong, you can't ever replace the Superman theme. Like, you can't. That's a, that's a classic. It'll be a classic forever. It'll be a classic well after I'm dead. But the soundtrack for... Man of Steel by composer Hans Zimmer is so fucking beautiful. If you can't listen to that soundtrack and find at least five minutes of inner peace or outer peace or just peace, whatever kind of peace, I don't know what you're doing. 
you're not living your life right in my eyes. You must be a pretty angry person if you can't listen to that beautiful music and find the calm within your own storm. Because the soundtrack is beautiful. That's what makes the movie so good for me is the fact that that OST is it's a fucking piece. It's a ma- it, it's a it's a masterpiece. Sorry, I'm a little tired. My words are jumbling around a little bit. But yeah, so number four, and this is going to be controversial because not a lot of people liked it, and I can completely understand because the movie in production was a hot fucking mess, but my number four pick is Justice League. And for me, the reason why it's my number four is because for me, people, like when I say that I'm a Batman fan, I really do mean it, and I'm always hard-pressed to find someone who enjoys The Dark Knight as much as I do. And so for me, this movie, no matter how much of a uh, sort of abomination and hot mess of a movie as it was, this is the realization of the seven-year-old in me, what the seven-year-old in me wanted to see. What the seven-year-old in me was jealous when the Marvel fans got to see with the Avengers. I wanted to see the Justice League, and I liked it even more that Batman was the leader because I always believed that Batman should be the leader instead of Superman. Now, this movie, from from tits to toes, had problems at the wazoo. You know, the, the problem with these movies we get is we're blessed. But the problem with that is that the movies that we're getting from these people, more so Warner Brothers and DC than Marvel, but, you know, Marvel and DC still, it's about money. But with Warner Brothers and DC is that... <clears throat> I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believe, especially with these last couple movies, that they do not give a fuck about us as fans. They see us as money, as a way to make money off of us. And that's the problem with uh, with Justice League. I, I read a lot about stories like this, or I read a lot about stories. Uh, shit. Sorry, I'm kind of floundering right now. I read a lot of stories based on comic book properties and I've been reading, because this movie has taken on a life of its own in terms of the story, they basically push this movie into production solely based on the fact that if they got it out in time before a merger with some company, that these greedy bastards could get a bonus. That's why Justice League was made so hastily, is for a couple of corporate fucks to get paid more money. And what ended up happening, you have a movie that's clearly a hot mess. It's a tale of two uh, two directors. It's not a unified vision, thus creating a schism in the movie itself. Like, there are good parts about the movie, don't get me wrong. But the movie as a whole is a hot, dirty, filthy fucking mess of a movie. Now, my favorite scene in that movie has to be when Barry Allen, which honestly Grant Gustin does so much better, does such a better job of being B.A. than Ezra Miller. I'm just, I'm sorry to anybody who's a fan of Ezra Miller's version, but his version of Flash fucking sucks. He runs like a weird, you know, marionette puppet, and his suit is ugly. But... When he's talking to Batman, when they're saving Elias Stone and the other hostages, the Parademons and Steppenwolf, and Barry Allen is saying that, you know, I love that you guys are all ready to just jump into battle and fight, but I've never fought anyone. It's more like I've just ran really, I've ran really fast and I pushed some guys and I ran away. And Batman turns to him and says, or Barry Allen says something along the lines of how I know what to do. And Batman says, just save one. He says, what? Barry Allen says, what? Batman says, just save one and you'll know what to do with the rest. Something like that. But it was, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's just such a, such a great scene. You know, the just, you know, look at that. The guy who thrives off of, providing nothing but fear is giving someone hope that's a very beautiful and poetic thing in of itself you know 
another favorite scene of mine, I'm kind of cheating here a bit, actually anytime Wonder Woman shows up on screen, it's a favorite scene of mine just because as a fanboy, I've got such a crush on Diana of Thermoscara and Gal Gadot does such a perfect fucking job of portraying that beauty, that grace, that, 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 um, fearless womanhood, just that Wonder Woman is such a loving, kind, and caring character. And a lot of people are complaining, you know, online the movie came out that she comes off as a mom. She doesn't. She comes off of the fucking page of a comic book. Beautifully translated. Fully fully realized and understood. Not such a fan of the, I wouldn't say gratuitous, but the, the too many ass shots. You know? You toss in one, there's probably no problem with that. You start tossing five or six or seven people start getting suspicious it looks kind of funny but anyways my number three movie is the dark knight and i could just leave it at that and not say anything and i'm sure everybody would have their own reason for why that is number three some people would scream in rage and listening to this and say that i'm a crazy bastard for not putting it number one you guys are going to flip your shit when i tell you what number one is we're focused on number three the dark knight and one of my favorite things about that movie is the evolution of the Batsuit. It took them that long. It took them exactly till that movie, 2008, to figure out how to make it so that Batman could turn his fucking head. Like, can you imagine being a superhero and you've got a suit that's complete shit and you can't turn your head to see bad guys? You have to turn your entire body. So you hope that, you know, bad guys are all illogical and they all fight you head on in a single file line and none of them get behind you because they get behind you. You you are effed in the A. I like the Dark Knight solely based on the fact that no one, myself included, ever thought that Heath Ledger would be shit. Thought I, I personally thought it was wrong casting. A lot of other people thought it was wrong casting. I remember sitting in the movie theater watching another movie and seeing that trailer <clears throat> and a guy behind me saying he'll never be as good as Nicholson. That guy was old as dirt. Jack Nicholson, just like there are different, you know, just like I'm cool with Batman Forever and the thought process that there are different interpretations of the character. If you, if you read comic books, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Same thing with Ledger's Joker versus Nicholson's Joker. It's just a different interpretation. It's a different comic artist picking up the license and putting their own spin on the character. I thought, you know, the only negative thing for me is that people love that movie so much that they never really gave The Dark Knight Rises a try. They pretty much shat in the mouth of that movie from jump based on the, on, on the fact that Ledger wasn't a part of, um, of The Dark Knight Rises. You know? But the movie is a fucking masterwork, if you know. Batman Begins brought Batman back to the shadows, brought Batman back to what it was, but The Dark Knight broke the fucking mold for superhero movies. And honestly, The Dark Knight's kind of to blame for why other people, people have been jockeying that style for years. You know what I'm saying? For fucking, for years now, people have been looking at The Dark Knight, and I don't think a lot of people really understand why why it works the way it does they just see it they see the reaction and think yeah we'll just make our movie grounded people are gonna love it because they love the dark knight no stupid fuck people love the dark knight because of its contents what it had to say what it meant to the world at the time not just because the shit was grounded in reality don't be so fucking basic now my favorite scene in the dark knight easily has to be the birth of the bat pod everything that leads up to it my favorite thing and i still obsess over this the irony in driving by a fire truck and seeing a fire truck on fire beautiful beautiful irony just because i'm a twisted individual like that and i love things that are insanely dramatically ironic like that it makes me go crazy you know that scene just it had it all had tension it was taut it was uh, had me on the edge of my fucking seat. You know, when Joker opens up the door 
and instead of the truck saying slaughter, it's 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 altered to say laughter, which is funny that you get laughter from slaughter. It's just another part of that character, but he's assaulting the police vehicle and he pulls out the fucking rocket launcher and just when you think like oh harvey dead i'm like well shit this is how he becomes two-faced i guess fucking batman boosts the bat pod into the fucking air and shit gets obliterated but he saves a fucking day and then you know, you're like, well, shit, I'm like, he's out of the thing, and then the fucking, one of the most badass, like, things that I'd ever seen up until that time, the birth of the bat pod, that was fucking amazing, like, people were cheering and screaming when that happened in the movie, like, it was just like, wow, and it, it's a cool looking vehicle, it's, that's a real vehicle, like, fully realized vehicle, it's insanely hard to drive, it doesn't really turn, but it is cool as fuck. And I guess, you know, again, this is another movie that had so many good scenes, but I guess I really enjoyed um, another one of my favorite scenes is when Harvey Dent's gone full fucking Plum Loco and he's Harvey Two-Face instead of Harvey Dent. And he's in the car with Eric Roberts, Julia Roberts' brother, and he's talking to him like he's fucking, he's pissed. You know, these people were complicit in the death and attempted the death of his girlfriend or fiance and the attempted murder of him. And so he's like, you know, fucking, I can't remember exactly because it's been a minute since I've seen that movie, but he's talking shit to Eric Roberts. And Eric Roberts, is like, man, I didn't fucking know. It's like, I didn't know what he was going to do. And he's like, that's funny because I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's like, pick a, pick a side. He's like, hey, man, I can, you know, hear the gun click. He's like, pick a side. And he's like, I don't know. He said head or he said tails. He ends up winning. And he said, you're lucky. And he said, but he isn't. And Eric Roberts is like, who? And he says, your driver. And shoots the motherfucker. And then you see the car fucking flip over. Like, that's, that is Harvey fucking Two-Face. To a T. That man in the comic books lives off of the wisdom of a fucking coin which is the most insane thing like it's such a sound theory to me that when i really can't make a decision i will use a coin and sometimes it makes people kind of like did this motherfucker really flip a coin over you know being security guard and whether i was going to be able to take a shit or not yes i did yes i did harvey two-face your ass because i can't decide whether to say no or yes it's a sound system just don't go flipping coins over whether to kill someone and whether not to because murder's not cool anyways my number two movie is wonder woman it was a long time coming people and i was so glad that she came i'm so glad that diana was able to be fully realized and again like i said with justice league gal gadot is uh she is that character you know if you ever read a comic book one of the things you understand about wonder woman from the offset that even though man is responsible for a lot of atrocities and ugly things and you know this and that she's that doesn't break her spirit she is loving she is nurturing she's kind she's gentle she's patient and she fucking loves ice cream she is very motherly, I suppose, in nature, but more just just an all-around wholesome character. It's one of those people that, you know, no matter what the uglies and atrocities, you know, the evils that she's seen men do, it doesn't break her spirit. If anything, it, it makes her want to fight harder. And this movie, you know, this just, just the insanity. Here's a little, here's a little small-known thing is that when this movie, one of the excuses that producers at Warner Brothers didn't want to make this movie is that because they pointed to movies like Supergirl and Catwoman, Holly Berry's Catwoman movie, as, no, people don't want to see these characters. I mean, look at what these movies did. They, they fucking failed. They failed because you idiots failed to understand what makes these characters good. 
what makes people want to go and shell out their hard-earned money to see these characters. They, they basically try to play the sexist card that no one wants to see a female mainline or headline her own movie because females female superheroes aren't cool. And then people show the fuck up in droves and prove those dumb, out-of-touch assholes wrong. Wonder Woman is the highest-grossing DCEU movie. I think it's there's a, a lot of other accolades that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I'll get better in the future about having facts ready when I t- do things like this. But it's it's a beloved movie. You know, I cr- I committed a sin when I took my ex to see that movie, as that I got up to use the bathroom during the best part of the movie, the no man's land scene, and I still haven't seen that scene. I've seen every part of the movie somehow, and I watch the movie twice, and I miss the same scene, which is bizarre, because usually when you've seen a movie once, you stick around for the scenes you haven't seen, and then like, okay, I can go use the bathroom, because I saw this uh, party scene, doesn't matter, it's cool, whatever. I missed it, and I love the entire movie, I love everything about the movie, besides the ending, I feel like it gets boiled down into a pretty basic CGI, too dark battle, but I think any any of the scenes on Thermoscara are my favorite scenes. I love the fact, you know, little known fact, that Antiope is the bride from Princess Bride. She's Prince. That's Princess Buttercup. To me, that's fucking dope because I've watched that movie like so many fucking times that as soon as I saw that strong-looking woman, like that's Princess Buttercup. That's Wesley's girl, dude. Like fucking talk about throwing me a bone as a fan and then I just love how much of a badass Wonder Woman's mom but I just love the fact that it's an island full of badass women don't need men they've been able to survive for probably centuries just relying on themselves I fucking love that about that movie and I love the fact that because I'm the father of a daughter there are movies that we're finally coming around to an age where Women, I mean, it's it's a slow process, but women are being acknowledged as being more than just mothers and people in kitchens. For some fucking deluded reason, the rest of the world is finally catching on like, hey, you know what? Women can actually do a lot of amazing things. And Wonder Woman is, you know, that movie is a champion for for women being able to do more than what men think they can do. To me, that's one of the... One of the um, the messages that that movie unintentionally preaches to me is that not only are women amazing, but sometimes they can do things that not even we can do. Uh, yeah, my number one pick, which you guys are going to be like, you know what, you fucking piece of shit, go burn in hell. But my number one pick is Batman v Superman, DOJ. And the same reason that I put Justice League on the on 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 his number four is the same reason I have Batman v Superman on his number five. Because the child in me, that's all I've ever wanted to see. That's that's the only thing I've ever wanted to see from a comic book movie that I never thought I was going to see is Batman fighting Superman. While it was only once and, you know, the first time the conversation was just them talking shit to each other and it was only one time, it was still decades of of my life and realization in the form of that movie i fucking love that movie like you you can never tell me shit about batman versus superman because the seven-year-old in me doesn't care about what you think sometimes when things that we enjoy it's not about what other people think or how they feel it's about how you feel it's about what you think were you satisfied with it did it make you feel good Great. That's all that matters. Now I'm not. I'm not smoking crack, or and I'm not delusional. So I can't really argue with you when if you tell me as a defense that the script for that movie, the story for that movie was fucking shit. It was. That movie was all over the place. It was a little bit too long, and at some points it was boring. It was not enough Batman versus Superman because, and I'll blame. I don't blame Zack Snyder. I blame Warner Brothers for being too focused on wanting to make a shared universe to catch up to Marvel instead of doing their own things. 
airing it out like a nice bottle of wine, letting that shit breathe. Let it let it show its legs, you know. Other wine other wine sayings. This movie was still still fun as shit though. You know, if you take away all the bad, you're still left with a fair amount of good. And most of that good comes from a performance that to me, in some aspects, is better than, than Christian Bale's interpretation of Batman. I don't understand all the hatred towards Ben Affleck for his interpretation of Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman, or Batman, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne, but the dude fucking nails it. And if you've ever read The Dark, I think it's The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, that's that Batman pulled from the panels. Old dude who's near retirement, his body can't really do it the same way as he used to. The things that he used to believe in aren't what he believes in anymore. He's more of a Batman than it's by any means necessary. I know a lot of people aren't down with the fact that Batman murders. Like, well, Batman's a killer now. He's totally cool with using guns and killing bad guys. Hey, stupid fuck who's only interested in mainstream shit. Go pick up a fucking comic book. That is a character ripped straight from... The Dark Knight Returns. Okay? That's 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 Frank Miller's version. Frank Miller's, you know, kind of a little bit warped in terms of characters. He creates great characters that are greatly flawed. That is Frank Miller's Batman. That Batsuit, the Iron, as people dubbed it, the Iron Man rip-off Batsuit, which is not, because that comic book is old as shit, that's pulled from the comics. Okay? That's it to me. That's I. I love when I see comic book movies. Or I see anything that's been translated from one medium to another that sticks so thoroughly faithful to the source material that's almost indistinguishable from the source material. So everybody, you know, a lot of people that were talking shit or hating on it never picked up the comic books. They probably never picked up a comic book in their life, and the only reason they have knowledge from these characters is based off of the movies that they've seen, which you know again. No hatred towards that, you know, at least you still like these characters, and I'm not trying to come off as an elitist, I'm just saying that I have a lot more experience with these characters, so it's always, you know, a little bit of an argument, and again, I want to sound like an elitist, but you don't know as much as I do, so when you talk outside your neck about a character like that, and now, you know, you don't understand it, of course you don't understand it because you've never, you've never peeped the source material. But I'm not trying to sound like an elitist asshole. I'm not trying to sound like I'm better than you just because I've been knowing this stuff for half my life. I'm just saying. Some people know things and other people pretend like they do. Now, my favorite scene, one of my, you know, I got a couple of them. So my first scene, the first scene that I like is when Batman, you know, he's getting his fucking, he's got a rage boner. Or no, I'm sorry, he's got a murder boner for these bad guys. He's chasing down Anatoly. Uh, aka the KG Beast and the other bad guys he's trying to get his hands on that kryptonite and he's doing all kinds of crazy things like driving through a building almost he almost takes a dude's fucking head off with the Batmobile which is just kind of like a, you know or sometimes I was like okay dude like kind of do you dial it down on the murder dial a little bit dial it back down from a 20 to maybe like a 10 or a 15 you know just take it down a couple points but um my favorite scene that kind of emphasizes that Superman is a ginormous asshole. He's chasing these bad dudes. They hit the corner. They're, they're both drifting. They drift around the corner. They're gone. Batman drifts around the corner. He sees Superman stand there, and he's got that, oh, shit, look. He immediately tries to slam on the brakes, and it's, it's so fucking funny because the Batmobile just kind of hits Superman, bounces off him, bounces on the ground. And then boom, and slides right into I think a gas station, some gas station or some shit like that. Superman lands on the the hood of the car, rips off the the doors, and Batman, you know, entrenched in in smoke, stands up. And the and the reason part of the reason I love that is because that's a human being with no powers, no enhancements, nothing at all, standing up to basically a demigod. Most, no one else to stand toe-to-toe and look Superman in the face and be like, you ain't shit. But that, but Batman can. He stands him face-to-face and Superman basically tells him that if you don't retire, I will kill you. And right before Superman flies off, Batman's all like, 
tell me, do you bleed? And Superman's like, what the fuck is this motherfucker? And flies off. And I love the line that comes next because it's nothing but conviction. Where after asking Superman if he bleeds, he tells him, and you know, you totally know Superman can hear him because it's Superman. He tells him, you will. With all the intensity and conviction in the world, asking a man who is a god if he bleeds and then not getting an answer and just telling him straight up, you're going to bleed. Like, I'm going to make you bleed. Straight up. And a lot of people are laughing at the fact that these two would be paired up or squared off solely based on the fact that Superman is an alien who is only weakened by kryptonite and Batman is a man. But again, I've read comics. I've seen television shows. I know the source material. Not only do I know that Bruce Wayne, Batman, is the fifth smart, fifth or fourth smartest character in the DC Universe. He knows every martial arts known to man. Again, we've already covered this, that he's the world's greatest detective. So think about, like, that's the thing that makes Superman so boring is that you take away his powers. He's just some corn-fed freak from Kansas City, Smallville. Smallville, Kansas, you know? That's what makes Superman Superman, is that he's got these godlike powers. That's boring, you know? What makes Batman Batman? So much more. He's such a, 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 a much more fully rounded character. And I love it. And it's proven in the scene there where they fight. Where in the beginning, it just kind of looks like Batman's stupid. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's tricking him into these traps that Superman can easily get out of after a couple seconds. And then Superman chucks him up onto a roof. And, you know, I heard people, because I was in, I, I went and saw the movie uh, opening weekend, and everybody around me was throwing so much hate and shade at Batman, and like, oh, shit, well, Batman's fucked now, he's gonna die. And there's one asshole who kept running unnecessary commentary behind me that Batman dropped the uh, smoke grenade, and he's like, the fuck is that gonna do? And I'm thinking in my head, like, besides, shut the fuck up, watch this shit. Superman flies through the smoke, Batman's gone. Turns around, Batman's standing there with a grenade launcher, launches a grenade, Superman catches it, and I'm like, ooh, it's on now. Kryptonite. And that's one of my, one of, not my favorite scenes, but one of another bomb-ass scene where he's like, yeah, basically like, yeah, bitch, breathe that in. That shit's fear. You know, then there's a whole line about, you're not a man, men are brave. Which, Batman, is proven to be true, because, you know, at the beginning of the movie, Batman's running into Wayne Tower to save people. And he's doing all this heroic shit. Not only being a man well past his prime, but being a man with no powers. How many of you can say that Clark Kent, aka Superman, would do the same thing? He wouldn't, because he relies on his powers. Thus, making it that Batman is right. He is not a man. Men are brave, you know. And then he proceeds to whoop the shit out of Superman. Like, that was one of my favorite moves is that he hits him, and he hits him, he hits him. They go in that building, they're duking it out a little bit. <laughs> he picks up the top of a toilet seat cover and busts dude in the motherfucking head. He knocks him the fuck out. Beautiful. As to, to quote Tanelier Tavon from Avengers Infinity War. Wonderful! Wonderful! I, I love that. And then people were stunned in the silence, like, oh my god, he, 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 he's putting a hurt. He, he put Superman in a hurt locker. Like, if you ever read a comic book, dumb-dumb, you would know that this has happened at least a hundred different times. Batman is not new. There's nothing... Whooping Superman's ass is nothing new to Batman. Like, come on. Come on with, with that. And my third favorite scene is basically, you know, they again, being faithful to the comic books, even though that's not the real Doomsday, and Doomsday didn't look like that. But the whole death of Superman angle and that fight, like, people... That that made people cry. Like, I, I people, you know, it's not like I want to hate this character just because I hate this character... I, I hate this character because he's inferior to almost every other character. Like, at the time that Superman was created, it worked because it was a completely different time. It doesn't work. And besides that, 
it's just like you know it's like i imagine the creation of superman being created by like a fucking five-year-old just let's take all these different superpowers shove them in one cauldron alabala kazala mala and you've got fucking superman the most boring and complacent ass comic book character that i've ever had the displeasure of reading based on the fact that without your powers you're not shit homie you're nothing your cast of characters of normal everyday ordinary citizens are more important and interesting than you because you're boring you're too overpowered you, unless you have kryptonite there is no way to beat superman and i wouldn't really want to tango with the notion of holding his hostage his, his girlfriend lois lane hostage to beat him because you know you push a motherfucker far enough like you found out in the justice the injustice universe he'll rip your fucking heart out you fuck with his wifey too much he'll just kill you and snap and then become a dictator and batman has to come and be part of the insurgency and yada 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 but yeah to me superman is a is a is a fully boring ass character to me, there's not a lot that you can get out of that character. I know they've been writing comic books forever. People are constantly trying to reinvent the character to make him more likable. But he's fucking boring, man. Like, I just, I'm sorry. He's boring. But I like that scene because it does, you know, it does show that, as, to me, as boring as Superman is, he's still willing to sacrifice his life if even in that scene it seems like he's doing it solely for Lois Lane, because in this, this, this universe, Superman is not, you know, not so much the truth, justice, and American way as he is all about his woman. And, you know, you better not step on the toes of my relationship. Don't, don't you even think about doing nothing dangerous towards Lois Lane. It's all Lois Lane, you know that's that's what it is but i love that scene again because of han zimmer's score i love the fact that he's not afraid to pick up that that kryptonite rod that was meant for his his demise and bring doomsday the clone not not the og uh bring him down and i i love i i fucking stood up and cheered when superman died just because that's how much of of a dislike I have for the character but it's also because that happened in the comic books you know and another uh, you know I said that was my favorite scene I lied to you guys I'll tell you the scene and I'll end my, my podcast but my, my, my favorite scene of the entire movie is right after you know pretty comical you know why did you say that name how do you know that name why are you saying Martha Ah. but after you have that awkwardness where Batman goes to save Martha Kent and he lays an ass beating that has never you've never seen any other Batman on on screen put that kind of hurt on bad dudes and you know I I, I, got, I, I caution you to go watch the director's cut because it's even more brutal and you know if you ever played the Arkham games it's pretty much like watching a live action version of Arkham Asylum or city or night where Batman just even and that's just a, another instance that proves that Batman is ever the badass because even at being 50 some years old and past his prime he can still whoop the ass of every every bad bad guy in Gotham who's half his age like that scene is incredible as fuck you know he jumps in you know just just engine ingenuity of Batman jumping through a uh, you know one story down sending a bunch of charges jumping up into a balcony or no i'm sorry blowing the floor out from underneath the bad guys at the same time as he's going up he attaches a zip line to a bad guy a bad guy's hanging he jumps up in the rafters throws a bunch of little uh, emp bombs grenades whatever you want to call them on the bad guy's guns detonates them then starts whooping ass and and again hans zimmer score is what makes these movies you know that dun, 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 dun. badass you know shit like batman you know there's that one part where he kicks the dude into the room and or no was it he throws a grenade fucking i don't remember exactly how it goes down dude throws a grenade batman swats it away 
kicks the dude, and the dude's scrambling to grab the grenade, and as the same... Sorry about that. At the same time as the grenade's exploding in the background, Batman's proceeding to whip the shit out of other dudes. Just, it's a bad... Sorry about that. Cutting off. I'm still kind of fumbling around with this whole podcasting thing. But yeah, no. So that was my last favorite scene was the warehouse fight with Batman. It's completely badass. I suggest that you go watch the director's cut of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And I just want to say that I thought that I could be able to get a podcast out every Sunday. That is proven a bit hard until I get this whole thing down and get both my work schedules figured out. So I will just say for now that if it doesn't post on Sunday of each week, the usually by the middle of the, the new week, I should have a podcast out. Um... I, I want to set up a website so you guys can leave comments, because I'm not sure if you can leave comments. Uh, if you're on my Facebook, then, then you can. If you're not, then you can't. So I will say that if you have any suggestions for future podcasts and the like, you can always email me your suggestions or comments at jacksonsdean1 at gmail.com. That is J-A-C-K-S-E-N-S-D-E-A-N, the number one, at gmail.com you can also find me on facebook at aap jensen and that's j-e-n-s-o-n again that's aap jensen and also i'd like to throw a shout out to the folks over at above the airwaves um two great people that i know i don't know the third person but i do know tony tran and natalia wolf if you guys could you know, spare a couple minutes out of your day to go check out their podcast. It's an excellent podcast. They've been doing it a lot longer. They're a lot more polished than I am, and they're just all around great people. So, if you again, if you got a, a time to spare after listening to me, go over and download their podcast. It's called Above the Airwaves. Check them out. Give them a like. Throw them some love. Let them know that they're doing good shit with with good shit. And uh, anyways, I'll catch you guys on the next episode of Mainstays. Keep your ears tuned, peaked, um, balanced to uh, whatever you're listening to this on. And I'll catch you guys next time. Thank you again. Goodbye.